Hey Riley, do you want to try out Dungeon World? I do, Jake. Oh, excellent. Uh, do you have any idea what class you want to be? Let's say fighter, emulator, or druid? Um, I'm going to go with emulator. Emulator is one that I've never had the chance to look at, so I'm really excited for this. I don't know what that word means, so I'm excited to learn more. Guess we'll find out. Hey there, I'm Brule Agents. Welcome to another Flashlight, where we take a deep dive into a different tabletop game system. I'm Production Master Riley. And I'm Dungeon Inspector Jake. This week, we're learning about the Dungeon World system in a little more detail. Let's roll initiative. Okay, cool. So you said emulator as the class you want to look at. Yes. And we're going to look at some of the moves for the emulator class just to get you a sense of what this means. Because this is one that, you know, does feel a little bit special to Dungeon World in particular. And one you know, maybe interesting aspect of how Dungeon World works is that you're not supposed to say the names of the things in the book, right? You're supposed to kind of um, keep the mechanic separate from the fiction, if that makes sense. Uh, but we're going to ignore that so that we can get a sense of how these things work. Excellent. What is an emulator? Um, emulator, you know, emulation is, um, means something's getting burnt up by fire. Ooh. Yeah, and so everything about the emulator is uh, more or less fire-themed. Ooh, kill it with fire. That, <laughs> that's the plan. All right, at long last, we have the emulator character sheet all ready to go. And, um, you know, for emulator characters, the statistic that kind of matters the most for your actions is, um, hmm, let's just look at a single move for the emulator. So let's look at the move Sick Burn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so first off, I'm going to ask you what you think your charisma stat would be. And unlike, you know, 5th edition or Pathfinder or something like that, this is always between like minus three and plus three like your 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 stat doesn't go way out to plus 11 or something okay. like that what how much charisma do you think you have where kind of zero is <laughs> run of the mill plus three is the most and oh, minus three is the least gosh uh i'm gonna go with a one i got a little bit of charisma i think you have more than one but okay we'll say you have a plus one to charisma and let's just go through how this move would work it's, it's called sick burn so the idea is when you insult an npc Roll 2d6 and add your charisma modifier, which is plus one. So let's see how that goes. Okay. Three. Two. Five. Six. Riley has the heaviest dice in the world, so I feel like everyone heard that at home. Yeah. Uh, so you roll the six. And a cool thing about how these moves work is it's not a simple success or failure. On a 10 plus, you would leave them no room to react so they would bear your insult in the scorn of all who hear it. On a 7 to 9, uh, you cross a line and they'll have their revenge someday. But on a 1 to 6, which is what you just got, that's a miss. Oh. Uh, you've gone too far. They blow up here and now. And uh, so you can kind of see that, well, this class is nominally fire-themed. And you can definitely do things that, um, you know... Uh, <laughs> shoot flame at people. Zuko style. Exactly that, yeah. That's... All right. Uh, let's look at Zuko style real quick. You <laughs> bend a flame to your will. 
roll a... Roll plus your wisdom modifier. Yeah. What do you think your wisdom modifier is? Oh, gosh. My wisdom modifier? Uh, I'm going to go with a two. Plus two? Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this, like, Riley's self-esteem moment. All right, roll two d6 and add two. All right. Pulling my dice out. Six. Ooh, ooh. Two, eight, plus... Plus two for your wisdom. Ten. Yeah! On a ten, it does as you command, taking the shape and movement you desire. Wow. So I'm a firebender now. You are a firebender now, as long as you roll well. Uh... (laughs) And, like, in general, we'll go through some more moves in here later, but in general, yeah. these are, like, intensely flavorful actions you can take. Yeah. And a lot of what's going on is, like, you get to describe a cool moment and then roll some dice and you either get... It just works. It kind of works with some bad consequences or it really backfires. And that kind of ambiguous... um you know, success, failure is something that we're going to see in a few of the other systems that we talk in other flashlights this season. Got a question for you. Yeah. Do Does this system use only a D6? This or? system predominantly uses D6s. I, other dice show up for damage and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you were rolling uh, 2D6. And so it has that kind of... Um, the distribution where there's a lot more mediocre outcomes than there are, like, you know, really high or really low numbers. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, you know... The reason we wanted to talk about Dungeon World this week is uh, last week we heard from Prim. Uh, you know, her game was in the Dungeon World system, and this is the first non-D&D 5th edition campaign of our season. And uh, so we thought it was worth diving into a bit. And, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of flavor. It, it's powered by the, the Powered by the Apocalypse engine, which is like a style of game, kind of, that, that borrows features from Apocalypse World, which is uh, an RPG from from 2010 about in a post-apocalyptic world that introduced a lot of the concepts we see here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is a, uh, you know, powered by the apocalypse game like this uh, tends to borrow, you know, some or all of those concepts. And, uh, you know, in this game, we just tried a couple times rolling these two D sixes. Yep. And, uh, and then you added a modifier and then there's a lot left to the GM to decide what's going on. And there's a lot for the player to say, here's the cool thing I want to do. Uh, like, there's no death saving throws in this. It's up to the DM to decide what happens when you die. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what it takes to get a player's character to come back from the dead. Uh, and this is, like, really different than, like, D&D or Pathfinder or something where there's, like, success, failure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get what I mean. Right. And then, like, TPK is just game over, pretty much. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to be the case here. That's also going to be the case in, um, you know... Uh, uh, D&D or Pathfinder or something, but here, uh, what death looks like can be quite different. And, and the, the guidebook really encourages the GM to figure out what it might take to get a character to come back. And cool. uh, I think a big part of that, you know, one thing that, you know, in, in D&D or Pathfinder or something that gets unsatisfying is a character dies in a moment that doesn't feel grand or heroic. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh no, uh, the party went out and, uh, you know, this like minor minion accidentally crit and they failed their death saves with a nat one. And that's like, that's not fun. That's not like narratively grand. And so giving that flexibility to the GM to be like, okay, but like, you just need to go to a local 
temple to have them brought back because they're not that dead like that <laughs> you get what i mean right yeah. like it, it it puts a lot more in the gm's hands and also allows them to kind of tell a story that's more grand and epic and a little bit less like well the rule said that that minion just uh, killed you so yeah. goodbye um and, uh, you know, and, and the actions that you can do as a player also look very different from games that inherit some of that almost Lord of the Rings hack and slash TNA. Um, you know, like, spell lists are quite short, even for, like, wizards, but there's some really interesting, flavorful actions and spells you can do. So it does feel like there's, like, more of a, uh, you know, like a, a diversity of what you can do with your turn. And I think you found some that looked particularly cool to you. Yeah, one that jumped out at me was Storm of Vengeance. Cool. How does that work? Um, That works basically where you can conjure up weather. Like, <laughs> you can conjure up any type of weather you can think of. So it could be acid rain or, um, like... I, would would like raining frogs be an option for that? I, I think love it, that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, like biblical plagues. Bibl- biblical yes. plagues. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, look, if I was running a game, and I think we're gonna have to play this at some point. Uh, yeah, I I would I would absolutely say that random frogs would count, and then it just happens. Um. Yes. Does it Does it happen? Let's pull up these rules real quick. Uh, let me find them real yeah. quick. Da, 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 da. Yeah, the rules say, ask and it shall come. (laughs) So instantaneous. Yeah, and this is like the highest level cleric spell in the game, but that's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. I I saw another one that is also weather related, but you can pick any type of weather to happen the next day. Yeah, this is, I think this is a, this is a lower level cleric spell somewhere. What's a cleric? (laughs) <laughs> one moment let's keep scrolling control, control weather control weather yeah so this is a seventh level cleric spell yeah and yeah it, you can just cause the weather for the next few days uh <laughs> to go however you feel like it not in like the rain of frogs way right but in like a sun or snow or yeah no it, this yeah. this is this is cool because i think it gives the player a lot more latitude with what they're doing with their turns and also gives the gm a lot more you know room to have outcomes and uh and and not necessarily have a a long spell text that they have to follow verbatim uh unlike you know some some more venerable systems (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh i think you know in addition to this, this this these cool Micro-level features on a macro level. Um, uh, games like Dungeon World and other Powered by the Apocalypse games have some really nice mechanics for keeping track of things in long-running campaigns. Mm-hmm. So you have fronts, and this keeps track of like a collection of dangers. So like uh, you know, uh, like a political party or um, uh, a dragon and its various minions, or even like a collection of natural disasters. There's like good mechanics for keeping track of like how that front of things is moving around in the background as your players act. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And then there's also you know on the on the player side, 
you have formalized bonds between player characters. And at the end of the session, you can discuss, did we resolve, like, uh, you know, you owe me for a debt or something like that because I saved your life. And if we resolve that bond between us, we get XP. We can level up from character growth. So do, would we establish the different bonds between characters at the beginning of a session or... As as the play occurs, right? Okay. And so like if one player character saves another, that can that can be part of their shared history and that forms a bond. Okay. And then if they the other one saves them back, they can say at the end of the session, we resolve the bond. Gotcha. That 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 gains XP. Sincerely have no idea what just happened. My phone has pulled up the Snapchat live feed of the NBA. Interesting. I, this is you want to talk about basketball? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, what were you saying? What were we saying? Uh, okay, so we can have bonds, and they can be positive or negative bonds? Yeah, no, 100%. You can absolutely swear revenge on someone. Okay. And then both get XP when you when you resolve that, and however that ends up looking. Okay. And this is not a rolling mechanic, like um, dice on the table correct, type thing? It correct. It is completely role play. This Based, is role yeah, play, yeah. and and you agree at the end of the session that you resolved. A bond. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, and you know, there's there's a ton of other uh, powered by the apocalypse systems that don't have that kind of sword and sorcery fantasy milieu that Dungeon World has, <laughs> right? And hopefully, we'll be able to find some campaigns to feature on the show in the future. Uh, uh, we found one based on the show Mash. Uh, <laughs> One that simulates the historical settlement of Iceland with quite a bit of verisimilitude, and one called Thirsty Sword Lesbians that we are actively planning to inflict on our friends. Yeah. (laughs) I think you found some good ones too. Yeah. Spirit of 77 is one that takes place in 1977 and includes pop culture from the time like Shaft, Dukes of Hazard, Six Million Dollar Man, Fleetwood Mac and Kiss play in the background. Oh no. <laughs> I guess you just hang out in 77. <laughs> I think we're going to have to, we're going to actually have to find the rule book yeah. and play that Who's one president? sometime. Who was president in 77? In 77, I am not from this country. I am failing this history check. Who's prime minister? Who was prime minister? <laughs> I, it must have been Pierre Trudeau, who was president in '77. Nixon had resigned. Um. Yeah. Oh, so it was it was Carter. It was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, because Jimmy Carter had one term. Yeah. That ended in 1980. Yeah. Okay. So that would be. Oh, so we'd have like a gasoline shortage in during '77. Absolutely. Yes. Game. We'd have bell-bottom jeans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd be in the era of that '70s show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's great, but <laughs> have a lot of like uh cheap not cheap weed, but like dad weed. Is that is that that's, a nineteen seventy seven thing? I think that well that's what dads now would smoke back then. Oh I see I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of the grass. <laughs> um Anyway, <laughs> that's getting way off topic. I know very little about nineteen seventy seven. Apparently this Module also includes adventures packaged as double features with titles like Women's Prison of the Apes, <laughs> Beast, Bound and Drown, and Jurassic Parking Lot. Okay, I don't even yeah. know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of that either, but it's published by Monkey Fun Studios, so... We can maybe track it down we can in make the future. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And there's also another game that's based off of uh, 
Watership Down. If anybody's read that, it's about bunnies that need to survive. Um, is it? Is that the one? I'm thinking Animal Farm. What's Watership Down about? Watership Down, I bl- it's about uh, rabbits and who like are sentient, and I believe they need to move out of their home because they're being attacked by like farmers or plows and shit. And they like go on a bunch of adventures. There's zo- there's um cannibalistic rabbits that they have to fight. Is that a real it's very, thing? Yeah, it's a children's book that's very dark. Oh no! Are, are, do rabbits eat each other in real life? I don't know. Okay, I, I could see that being a real I, thing. I, yeah. I, yeah. Cool. This is let's. <laughs> All right. Let's call the Warren. But yeah. the Warren. Cool. Let's uh, let's talk about um, <laughs> Dungeon World a little more again. Um, yeah. No. This this game it it works well at home. I've, I've I've actually played in a game run by Prim. It was very fun, very creative, very intense. Uh, anyone who listened to last week's episode probably got a dose of that intensity. Um, but the, the 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 paucity of the guidance and the you know the short descriptions of things like spells and mechanics means that you do need an experienced GM. It's a lot of the GM is just explaining what a mixed success looks like on the fly and things like that. And so, while well, a lot of these macro things like these fronts really help with uh, keeping track of a big sweeping campaign. On the micro level, this does kind of require a GM who's really fast on their feet, if that makes sense. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, let's let's actually talk through another move from the emulator class, because I thought that was particularly cool. Uh, this one is called the Burning Ring of Fire. Whoa. So this one, and, and this is kind of a sense of like... <laughs> Uh, how this is like, you know, a class based around fire, but a lot of the flavor goes way beyond like I shoot fireball at someone. Uh, uh, this one is for when you fuse a willing person's soul to yours. I'm going to have you roll me 2d6 and add that plus one charisma modifier you mentioned earlier. Oh, nice. Five. Four. So you got a 10. A 10. Awesome. Uh, you are bound together with this willing person, able to sense each other at any distance, as well as sharing your emotional state. Ooh. On a 7 to 9, the connection would have been unstable and dangerous. So when you took a, a debility, so would they, and vice versa. And uh, on a miss, like if you'd roll the 6 or lower with your modifier, uh, not only would that, that that fusing your souls together be rejected, but you would erase any bonds you have with them. So any shared history that you developed over the course of the game uh, would effectively be wiped out. Uh, gotcha. So, you know, no pressure. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is cool because it's like, okay, when we think about a character who has, like, fire magic, yeah. this is a cool way to think about what that means that is not just different types of fireball. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've linked to the Dungeon World website in the show notes. Uh, the play sheets are free to download. It's a great way to like see if this is the kind of game you might be interested in. Uh, and uh, we'll put some links in the show notes to those other games in the cases where they're easy to find. Excellent. <laughs> um, and that's all for this week. I've been Jake Behind the Mic. I'm Production Master Riley. And those handmade custom dice you're thinking of buying don't look very well balanced. Do you run your own home game? Tell us about a cool homebrew item, and we might feature it in an upcoming episode. Give us a call and tell us about it at 724-3-2020. 
Join us next week when we chat with Chris about when it's okay for the DM to have their own PC. I have some thoughts on that one. (laughs) For more on the show, including links to all our social media, visit foldedfrequencies.com slash campaign spotlight.